Rick Stevens, financial advisor with FRS Financial Group, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. For more detailed information regarding any of the topics discussed on today's show, please call 719-500-8700. This is Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial. Here's your host, Rick Stevens. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. I am your host, Rick Stevens, and folks, remember that this is your show. If you've got questions that you would like to have answered, if there is a topic you would like to hear more about on a future Money Matters episode, please feel free to give me a call at 719-500-8700 or send me an email Stevens at frsfinancialgroup.com, or you can go to the website frsfinancialgroup.com, click that contact tab up there in that top right corner, send us that uh, question you've got, send us that uh, little message about what you'd like to hear more about, because we would love to hear from you. Well, folks, this week on Money Matters, I am joined in the studio as always with my lovely co-host Andrew Rogers. Andrew, you're you're looking kind of chipper in the uh, almost Honolulu blue today. Yeah, we're we're gonna keep it rolling as long as we can. <laughs> you know, nothing nothing wrong with that. I got I gotta say, um, even though a kid like Christian McCaffrey is a uh, can I call him a semi-local kid? I mean, you know, from Denver and Valor Christian, yeah. so a little to the north. But uh, my my heart does go out to uh, to the Black and Blue Division and uh, the representatives from the uh, the city of Detroit. Yeah. So I'm 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 okay with uh, with with uh, a little love for. Jared Goff and uh, you know former Bear David Montgomery and uh, you know the entire Lions team. I, I, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing here. Yeah, it's been a good ride. I think we can. I think we can keep going. I'm 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 all for it. Yeah. All for it. Would love to see the uh, the Honolulu Blue on Super Bowl Sunday. Here's hoping. <laughs> uh, well, folks, this week on Money Matters, we are not just talking about. Uh, a, a particular football team from uh, the state of Michigan this week. We are also not, uh, Andrew, going to be talking about that there are really only a little over two weeks until the four greatest words in the English language. Yeah. Pitchers and catchers report. I know. That's coming up. You're you're looking a little giddy right now. Oh, I'm feeling pretty good. It also means that, uh, you know, maybe my cubbies will sign somebody in the next couple of weeks. You know, perhaps a... Uh, a good left-handed hitter that uh, that they could use in that lineup, as well as maybe a pitcher or two, to uh, to come into spring training at that point. But we are, folks, going to talk the world of retirement today. We're going to talk about uh, all the different, shall we say, Andrew, statistics associated going on right now in that retirement world, and my hope. Is that we can we can lay out a little pathway for uh, for the listeners here to not become one of the statistics to to be the uh, non-normal retiree because some of these some of these pieces as we look at the quote unquote normal retirees are a little frightening. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm, I'm going to start with this. Andrew, in, in your world, okay. when you close those eyes and you picture the world of retirement, how old are you? Probably mid-60s, 70s. See, I would have said 28, but we all know that didn't happen in my world yeah. because that's a little over 20 years ago. Uh, the average age of U.S. retirees is roughly 64. Mm -hmm. Now, those numbers skew a little bit when you break them down, male versus female. Uh, Men actually retire technically a few months after their 64th birthday on average. Women a little bit around that age of 62 um, in their retirement world. But that 64 age, that average age at which a person retires in the U.S. is actually surprisingly consistent with the rest of the world. Really? The, uh, the the crazy part about this, and, and oftentimes we think about, you know, stuff going on in Europe and, and how folks get to retire earlier and this, that, and the other. Uh, in the UK, mm-hmm. the average age at which folks retire is 66. Okay. Our friends to the Nort, and that's Nort without the H on there, and uh, in Canada, they retired about age 65. Uh, in France, it's just a little before age 64. It's 63 and eight months. Greece, now Greece might be all right because in Greece they retire at 62. That wouldn't be so bad. No. That's that's coming quicker than the 64 and 66. Um, Israel, 64 and a half. Italy, 64. Mexico, 65. New Zealand, 65. Netherlands, 66 and six months. Japan at age 65. So we're in that general ballpark when we're talking about the age at which folks retire. Um there's actually a a breakdown that was done in the uh, what they called the the retirement confidence survey last year in 2023, and they were looking at when did current retirees, so people who were retired in 2023, when did they stop working? Mm-hmm. Now, I hope it wasn't exactly phrased that way. Perhaps it was when did you leave the workforce. Because I know some folks that in their like 30s stopped working, but were still employed for like the next 20 years. Yeah. So that whole quiet quitting thing kind of snuck up on a lot of us. A little bit, a little bit there. So when it came to retirees in 2023, about 13% were under the age of 55 when they retired. Really? So some of that, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think it's probably fairly solid to say these were probably some folks that had pensions, perhaps even from the military side of mm-hmm. things. Um, or they, they were some other sort of a, a government-required retirement. I know some folks who are federal firefighters, and they are forced into retirement at 55. Uh, they, they don't get the chance to continue working up the ladder anymore, if you will, pun totally intended, intended on that one. Um, between the ages of 55 and 59 were about 20% of retirees. Another 9%. At 6061. And these are all actually pre Social Security. So these are all folks that actually retired before being able to have that Social Security income. When we hit age 62, right, the earliest you can take Social Security, 62 to 64, we see about 9%. Age 65, we see about 13%. Okay. So in that 62 to 65, the early phases of Social Security, We're actually just a little north of 20% total in there. 
66 to 69, we've got about 13%. And those who were 70 or older or say they will never retire is about 6% of the workforce. And that study was done back in 2023? 2023. I wonder how that would be updated Mm -hmm. for this year. Because I think that bottom number might... uh, Maybe jump a little bit. I think so. I think those uh, those young numbers are going to jump a little bit um, on that. Folks who really have spent the last couple years trying to do that. I was in the office all the time. I actually had this discussion with a, uh, a gentleman a couple of weeks ago. Folks were in the office all the time. Then they got moved to, okay, we've got to work from home during that COVID time frame, the mm-hmm. 2020, 2021 2022, they started going, you know, I really don't want to continue to do this anymore. And I wasn't going to retire for four, five, six more years, but maybe I'm just going to do that now. Yeah. So there are a lot of folks taking taking that route. In fact, in 2024, Andrew, about 22% of working Americans say they are planning to retire. Really? That's a big piece of the workforce. Mm Mm-hmm. Coming up on that. In fact, if you if you think about that from the baby boomers, right? That's that's the uh, generation we talk about who are in those quote unquote retirement years right now. Twelve thousand plus baby boomers turn sixty five every day this year. Really, that's a that's a lot of birthday cake. That's a lot of birthday cake. That's a lot of candles, and, and hopefully we're we're controlling those fires mm-hmm. because. We had a lot of federal firefighters forced to retire as well. Exactly. Exactly. So lots of different pieces going through here. One of the things, though, as we we talk to those folks that are looking at retirement, about 40% of what are considered, quote-unquote, older Americans say they're actually delaying their retirement because of the inflation we've seen the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. They're, they're finding it is much, much too expensive to not have a steady income larger than what their retirement income would provide. Yeah, or that that retirement income would have been good a couple years ago, but now you just can't stretch it that much further. Exactly. You know, after we saw that that market year in 2022 that, that saw basically a 20% pullback, even with a 20% gain back in 23 you're still not back to where you had to be mm-hmm. because after a 20% backwards, mathematically, it takes a 25% forwards to get back to even. Yeah. So a lot of folks not quite back at that spot yet, and now things are more expensive. Mm-hmm. So we've got folks that are waiting a little bit longer here. I'm going to ask you this one, though. All right. Over the years, Andrew, the average age of your retiree has increased of when folks retire. And just a little over 30 short years ago, how old do you think the average retiree was? 30 years ago? Mm-hmm. Well, I'd probably say closer to, you know, 62, that kind of Social Security magic number. Actually, in 1991, the average age of the person mm-hmm. retiring was 57. Really? So in 30 years, we have decided we're working on average seven more years. And and that's another one of those pieces. Now, part of that is because we have actually continued to, to you know, increase the life expectancy. Um, the, the In 2002, right, 20 years ago, we were still at 63 as the expected retirement age. So 
really we saw it go up about six years in those first 10 from 91 to 2002 and another couple years from 2002 to where we're at now. But life expectancy right now, male and female, so not delineating between the two, is at 79.1 years. Yeah. In, in 1950, life expectancy was 68. We've increased in a full generation by over 10 years in life expectancy. Really? So that means we've got to figure out, Andrew, how to actually have our money last us longer. Because back in the 50s and 60s, Social Security was actually a fairly viable option. We also had a lot more companies back then that had pension plans Mm -hmm. where money has been set aside. You retire. Typically, at that point, you probably worked for the same company 30, 35, 40 years even at that point. You get the nice gold watch, and you still get a paycheck every couple of weeks coming out of the pension. Maybe not as much as you were earning, mm-hmm. but still pretty close. Yeah. And and that has that has actually changed these days. Okay. Uh, to, the, to the tune where almost half, 46% of Americans between the ages of 60 and 75, say they have to plan to work part-time in their retirement. Really? Now, there's that part of me that says, if I have to work part-time, am I really retired? Yeah. I mean, technically, I guess we've coined the phrase or the term at one point, semi-retired. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that means like, uh, you know, sometimes if you're only halfway doing something for a little money, does that mean you're also semi-professional yeah. um, in there as well? So it works on on some level. And I do know that, uh, Andrew, there are a lot of folks out there in those retirement years that are going to work because that's what they like to do. They want to have that interaction. They're just switching, oftentimes totally switching careers because they don't want the pressures that was on them when they were doing their quote-unquote regular job. You know, they may go from working in the sales world somewhere to, you know what, I'm going to go be a dog sitter. Yeah. Because generally speaking, the dogs aren't talking back. And the dogs aren't canceling contracts, and you're not having to go out and find new dogs. You're you're just taking, you know, whatever that work is that's out there because you like dogs. You want to hang around them a couple times a week. You just don't want to have to pay for the food and the vet bill. Mm-hmm. So different pieces uh, along that. Now, when it comes to money in retirement, Andrew, yeah, there are lots of options out there. There are. And one of those pieces really is it's all about building some cash flow, mm-hmm. right? It's about getting those those dollars that come in. Right now, 2023, technically last year, the average monthly Social Security benefit for retired workers was about $1,874. Okay. If you have a married couple, both drawing that average benefit, you're seeing about $3,700 coming in each month. Now, the key to that is there's also a Medicare cost that's involved, and you know it's going to depend on a variety of factors, but you're probably expecting about $200 per person going back out. Mm-hmm. So if you do the math on that, it's really about $3,000 coming in, and then you've got to figure taxes, and there's all kinds of weird and crazy formulas and how much other stuff am I making and all this and that. 
But for the most part, it's about $3,000 of level income coming in month over month for your average retiree if they are married and both are getting the average monthly benefit. Okay. Can you have more? Absolutely. I think the uh, the maximum benefit right now is uh, somewhere in that thirty nine hundred to four thousand a month range. Okay. Um, your spousal benefit, and and that's one of those really interesting Social Security pieces. Your spousal benefit guarantees you at least half of whatever the higher earning spouse in Social Security is bringing in. Mm-hmm. So, for example. My Social Security benefit, if it's $2,000, that is the the projected benefit, and if my wife's is projected at $800 based on her working years, she gets an extra $200 benefit, a spousal benefit, to bring hers up to half of what mine would be. Mm -hmm. So there's your $3,000 coming in. Now, with that, more often than not, I'm trying to remind folks that your, your dollars coming in just from Social Security is really supposed to be the the gravy on top. It's that mm-hmm. extra little security blanket. And what we need to be doing is actually putting away our own retirement dollars. Yeah. Whether that's a 401k, the IRA, the Roth components, the any of those. If you're if you're talking about working federal civil service or you're in the military, it's the TSP. You might be a government contractor, have like a 457. Uh, maybe you're at a nonprofit, so there's a 403b. All those are basically just different lines in the tax code for the same sort of concept of a retirement. Yeah, I was about to say, you lost me on all the alphabet <laughs> soup right there. Well, you know, we in, in the tax code, uh, alphabet soup, I think, is the soup du jour every day okay. when we're talking about that. So there's some data that's out there about who has these different kind of retirement accounts. Okay. In a... In the, they called it the Survey of Income and Program Participation. This was done by the U.S. Census Bureau. So again, hopefully we have told the truth to the, to the census folks. Um, about 34.6%, so just over a third of Americans, have some to, sort of what they would call a 401k style account. Okay. Again, that's your 401k, your 403b. A 401A, which is a, a money purchase, a 457, some sort of that kind of a type of account. Basically, it's an employer-sponsored retirement account. Okay. About a third, again, 34% of those working age individuals have an IRA. Sometimes that's on top of your own 401K or your own employer-style Sometimes that's outside of. About 20% have a pension still available, right? We call that a defined benefit or a cash balance plan where you've had cash put away over the years. And again, when you retire, there's a certain amount of dollars coming to you. Now, here's an interesting one, though. We've got folks putting away money. We have Social Security available pretty much across the boards. But in a poll last year, okay. about 43% of folks who were not yet retired, so yeah. non-retired adults, only about 43% say they expect to be, quote-unquote, financially comfortable in retirement. You know, that's a little shockingly higher than I would expect. <laughs> you know, I, I actually read that and went, huh, well, interesting. The crazier part of that 
is that 77% of current retirees say they have enough money mm-hmm. to be comfortable. That also shocked me. Yeah. On there. To to hear that current retirees say yes, we we actually are already living that comfortable life. We were good. And 43% said, "Oh yeah, we're going to be fine." I'm not sure how the 43% came up with that number. I think they're banking on being related to that 77% and maybe uh getting some kind of inheritance or passed down. That would be uh that would be my guess in there because you know we we are in the midst of seeing what a lot of different folks will call the greatest transition of wealth in the history of mankind. Of course, we also saw that 10 years ago and then we saw that 10 years before that and 10 years before that because every time you are continuing to have more and more income investments more and more things that are worth more and more dollars thank you inflation passed down yeah you're transferring more wealth from yeah. one generation to the next but i'm sure there are there are, there are probably a big piece of those uh those folks in there kind of thinking along those lines you know what i'm going to inherit abc amount from mom and dad mm-hmm. I only have XYZ amount, but when I add the ABC to it, it's going to be better. Yeah, I, I, I don't have much now, but when you know when that day happens, all of a sudden things will be better. Exactly. Exactly. That kind of leads me into uh, some of those retirement savings numbers okay. out here as well. Uh, the, the average age at which Americans actually start thinking about and saving for retirement yeah. is 31. Which kind of makes sense because in our 20s, we're just out there getting started. Oftentimes, we're not thinking about this too much. We're getting those first, quote unquote, real jobs. And quite often, we're just trying to figure out what can I spend in any given month and still have a positive balance left in the bank. Mm-hmm. So makes sense that uh, the, that it's about 31 when folks start putting money away for for retirement. Uh, we don't have the 2023 numbers yet because we're still in January. Taxes aren't due until April. That's when we get to see, when we go through all the tax data, what the average person put away into retirement accounts. But for 2022, the average American put away about $5,000 in a retirement account of some sort. Mm-hmm. Whether that's the IRA, the Roth IRA, the 401k, the Roth version of whatever, um, whatever sort of employer-sponsored plan it is out there, about $5,000 for the year got put in. Now, there's some interesting pieces here in some of these surveys as well. When it comes to asking folks, do you feel like you're on track in saving for retirement? About 56% think they're behind. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily argue with them. No. In fact, I might argue for the other 44 to take a closer look at how much they've put away and whether they're on track. Well, do you think it's also that or just that there's no real guaranteed number? It's not like you can say, you know, definitively by each milestone you should have X amount in the retirement because it's all so case by case dependent that, you know, it's really hard to say how much you will actually need because you're also planning for an uncertain future. It's not like you know how long you have to plan for, what the conditions will be like, what inflation will be like. So I kind of get that, you know, a little bit of unsurety there. The the uh, the part that gets me are the 44% that are like, no, I'm right on track. 
Um, I don't know. I, I think even if I were uh, well ahead of the plan I have established, yeah, I might still be in the 56% that says, I don't know if I have enough. Yeah. Because I don't know how much truly is enough. I got mm-hmm. a ballpark idea. I'm on track for my ballpark, but I don't know if I'm on track for the upper deck of that ballpark or somewhere right behind home plate in the front row yeah. for that ballpark. So, Well, I mean, there's also some optimists out there. But true. Thinking that everything will be fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because somewhere along the line, we are being taken care of, and I'm insuring my financial future $2 a week by playing Powerball. Yeah. <laughs> Worst case, I'll become a burden on the children. There you go. There you go. I know some folks that that is their goal. Mm-hmm. My goal is to burden my children as much as they burden me. I've heard that more than once um, out there. Not me particularly. That's that's not my goal. My goal is to annoy them as much as they've annoyed me over yeah. the years. I think I, I'm think I'm doing a pretty good job mm-hmm. getting getting off. Well, and you've got all six to deal with too, so you can spread it around. You can spread the love. Absolutely, absolutely. I've I've told them before. That's my retirement plan. They have to go to six different parts of the country so I can go spend a month with each one of them because at the end of that month, I know they won't need me around anymore, mm-hmm. but within six months, they'll welcome me back. So just two months around. Exactly. Huh. Exactly. I mean, that's, you know, maybe that's forward thinking, maybe some wishful thinking in there, uh, but some some thinking nonetheless. Well, folks, we are up against that first break in today's show. When we come back. We're going to talk about some retirement math, some retirement spending, and ultimately how we take care of some of this retirement planning. So stick around. We will be right back. Does stock market volatility have you wondering which way is up? Do the talking heads and doomsayers have you wondering if this really is the end? If you want straight answers from an advisor who isn't just trying to sell you something, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary appointment today. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Well, folks, thanks for sticking with us through that break right here on Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. Rick Stevens in studio with Andrew Rogers. We are talking retirement. Okay. Andrew, if it were up to you, how soon would you retire? Thursday? Yesterday. Yesterday? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, depending on the day, I, I'm kind of uh, in there with you. Um, I've got a, a business partner, Frank. I, I, I love Frank. He is my scenario with folks when, when we talk retirement. And because I, I tell them, you know, Frank, Frank is our senior partner. He is older than I am. And depending on the day, Frank is either planning on going 10 more years or 10 more minutes. And I'm never sure which one it is, even at different times of the day. Uh, so if you are in that sort of scenario, having that plan in place to be able to say, you know, I think I am done is always a good thing. And and there's some math involved, Andrew. But I'm going to tell you what, it's not calculus okay. that's involved in figuring this out. Uh, this is some pretty simple, um, I would almost call it back of the envelope type math. Um, except nobody uses envelopes anymore that are coming in the mail and writing down all the math on there. So the way the way I always figure this, 
I type in three words into the Google machine. Okay. I type in Dave Investment Calculator. And that takes me to the Dave Ramsey Investment Calculator. Okay. So I go straight to Dave's site and I pop in numbers, right? We're looking at the age we're going to start putting money away, the age at which we hope to retire, how much do we already have saved, how much are we planning to put away, and what is our expected growth rate in that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Dave talks about that uh, 10% or 12% or whatever, you know, number in that range. And it depends on if you're looking at the Dow or you're looking at the S&P 500 and, and what time frame you're looking at. But really, if you go back over the last 80 years, your average annual return is about 11.8%. So if you figure 10, you're going to figure on the low end. If you're figuring 12, you're figuring a little bit on the high end. I like the 10% number yeah. because if we figure 10 and you get 12, that's a good thing. Yeah. You don't want to figure 12 and only get 10 because that will actually cut way into what uh, what you're looking at here. But here's some retirement math, and we're going to take those uh, numbers that folks reported. If you started saving at age 31, $5,000 a year, and you took that out to age 66, and assuming that they grew that 10% average per year, at age 66, you have $1.58 million. Mm-hmm. Now, if we looked at what the actual numbers say, that people actually have in retirement accounts, one of two things is happening. Either they're not actually saving 5000 a year, that was just the 2022 number and we haven't done that consistently, or we're not getting our 10% average return okay. consistently. Because right now, the average retirement savings by age, the 25 to 35-year-old age group has about $37,000 in their retirement savings. Now, if you started at 25 and were put away that $5,000 a year and you were growing at 10%, by age 35, you would have 85000 mm-hmm. Now, if we did start at 31 and put away 5000 a year, it's actually a little bit under that. It's only 24000 Yeah. So either the, the young folks are starting to put away a little bit earlier or they're putting away a little bit more. Or, also quite possible, if you look especially at the last 10 years, they've gotten better than 10% growth. They've probably, if they followed the S&P 500, gotten closer to about 115 to 12%. And it doesn't sound like a big change in there, 10 to 115 or 10 to 12. But over a 10-year time frame, it actually is uh, a, pretty, a pretty big change in there. Our 35 to 44-year-olds have about $97,000 in their retirement accounts these days. Okay. And again, if they had started at 25 and put away 5000 a year for 10 years, they would actually have about $280,000. And if they only started at 31, they'd actually have closer to 132000 So a little bit up, even on that starting at 31 mark. We start to get big numbers, though, in here. Not on the we have, but we could have side. 45 to 54 demographic have about 180000 in their retirement savings right now. But if they had started at 25, Andrew, and put away 5000 a year and averaged 10000 growth, instead of 179000 they would actually be closer to $840,000. That's a big difference right yeah. there. And even if they started at 31, 
they would still have over 440,000 right now. So what we can take from that is there are a lot of 45 to 54-year-olds that didn't start at 25 or at 31. In fact, they mm-hmm. probably started somewhere in that 35 to 38 time frame. And again, we can always take a look at, you know, why is that? Well, it's because we're having families and we need to, you know, make sure that we've got money for the family for this, that, and the other, and we're buying houses and, and being good consumers that way. But we're not necessarily being good retirement savers at okay. that point. Uh, the average 65-year-old, so I skipped a, I skipped a step, 55 to 64. The 55 to 64-year-olds have about 256000 in their retirement accounts. If they had started at 25, they would have $2.4 million. And if they started at 31, they'd have $1.3 million in those retirement accounts. So... The earlier you start, I think, is what we can start taking from this. The bigger that pile mm-hmm. ends up being. And the 65-plus, those folks have about 280000 in their retirement accounts. If they had started saving 5000 a year, averaged 10% growth from age 25 to 67, they would have $2.9 million wow. in there. So literally a factor of 10 bigger if they've saved over the entirety of their lifetime a mm-hmm. fairly sizable amount. Now, with that said, when you're 25, 5,000 bucks is a lot of your money. Yeah, that's you're, you're, what, 417 a month. You're, you're basically talking, if you're thinking about sort of an on average, what kind of job is your 25-year-old ending up with, whether they're right out of college or, or recently, that's probably going to be somewhere in that general vicinity of anywhere from – 15 to 25% of their actual earnings Mm -hmm. in there. So it takes a big sacrifice in the early years. And, of course, as we have gone through life, it's less of a sacrifice by a percentage basis because theoretically we're making more money the older we get. Yeah, Theoretically, of course, is is the key to that. Now, here's some of the fun stuff. If you've got that 65, 66, 67-year-old, whatever, with $2.9 million, Andrew, that generates over $9,000 a month in income, assuming that we are using a 4% burn rate. Again, we're still continuing to grow it at 4% to 6%. We're generating about $9,000 a month. If these folks started at 31, right, those 65-year-olds started at 31, by the time they're 67, they got $1.75 million. Mm -hmm. That's going to generate about $6,000 per month. The problem runs in when we've got those 65-year-olds who do have that 280000 At that 4% burn rate, that generates about 900 per month. Okay. So if I'm, if I'm single, I'm living on that average of 1800 in Social Security, I add 900 to that, that's still less than $3,000 a month coming in for me independently. Yeah. And I don't know if you've noticed, Andrew, but the cost of living... Pretty big these days. Yeah. It's one of those big costs out there. So with this in mind, and again, I know you're going to Evan me, but uh, what should that target number be? Say that you have been you know, consistently saving or that you've you know, saved well and the market's done well. What would that maybe target number be to say, all right, I can pull the trigger and go have a nice conversation with the man in the corner office? So the, the biggest piece that I look at folks in there and, and talk about is what does that cash flow look like? Okay. 
right? If it costs me $5,000 a month to live the way I live life right now, if I add up all of my cash flows, I add up my Social Security and, and my spouse's Social Security, I add up what I can get from that 4% burn rate of my investments. Maybe I've got a pension out there somewhere. Uh, maybe I've, over the years, there were maybe a, a rental place or two that I've owned because I couldn't sell it 10 years ago. And well, then I got to the point where I saw the cash flow and didn't want to sell it. Ultimately, what we get to is if your positive cash flow outside of work can replace the cash flow from work, you can quit any day you want. Okay. Um, I had a client several years ago. Um, I asked him, uh, a, you know, some folks might ask, consider it a weird question, but but I asked them the, uh, the question of when you get to retirement, what's the one question you want to ask yourself each day? And his response to me was, I just want to wake up and go, well, what color shorts am I going to wear today? Mm-hmm. And as we're going through that planning process, uh, the way I kind of broke it to him, when, when we got to those final numbers, uh, I said, uh, so I've got one question left to ask out of all this. And he said, okay, what is it? And I said, what color shorts are you going to wear tomorrow? Really? I said, yeah, you have the assets. You have the income streams to be able to go retire if you want to. And it took him probably six or seven months to actually come to grips with that. Hey, I'm not going to go to work every day. Mm-hmm. But he got to that spot. And, and you know. Here we are, I think, probably at this point, three to five years in. I don't remember how long ago exactly uh, it was, but somewhere in that three to five-year time frame, he's retired, he's enjoying life, uh, lives a good deal of it down in the Phoenix area because hard to wear shorts in the winter in Colorado Springs. But in Phoenix, you you can pretty much decide what color shorts do I want Mm -hmm. today. So that's the long-winded it depends answer. But it's all based on the math, right? It's all based on what's it going to cost me to live? Do I have other streams of income coming in right now where I can totally replace what I'm going to make working? Yeah. And there are a few caveats as well. And I'm, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, but there are some penalties. You know, say you are under a certain age limit and you've been investing in primarily a 401k or things like that. As far as starting to take those draws, though, right? Correct, correct. Most of them have a a, a bottom age requirement of about fifty nine and a half. Okay. Uh, some of your four hundred one k type plans will actually allow you to start taking uh, withdrawals at age fifty five, depending on how it was all set up and how long ago. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's fifty nine and a half before you can actually start drawing from retirement assets. But not all of your assets have to be retirement assets. Yeah. So, but, you know, barring, you know, major windfall or, you know, the lottery or, you know, cashing in big or something, if you are looking on just those traditional streams that most people have, you got to probably wait until at least 55. Exactly. Exactly. You know, that's, I, I always tell folks that uh, retirement is a number, not an age, because let's say you are a, uh, you know, a late 20 something, early 30 something, and, You've just created the next big whatever in the uh, in the IT world, and somebody paid you four billion dollars to buy your company. Mm-hmm. You could probably retire based on your lifestyle yeah. at that point in time. But if you are sixty eight and it costs you five thousand dollars a month to live, and all you have is Social Security, and between you and your spouse, you're going to bring in three. 
you can't yet retire because we don't have another number big enough to actually match the outflow that we've got going on. Mm -hmm. Now, here's here's the crazy part with that. In the retirement planning world, about two-thirds, right, 67% of Americans between the ages of 50 and 74 don't actually have a formal plan in place. And that's not to say they don't have a back-of-the-envelope plan. They just don't have a formal, hey, these are some of those benchmarks I've got to see. This is what I need to be Mm -hmm. doing now to reach this goal of at 62 to be able to say, I don't want to go to work tomorrow if I don't have to, but maybe I'll work till 68 because I love what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. They don't have that in place. And actually, four out of five don't even understand the retirement planning basics on what it means to be financially secure. Really? And that's one of those things that, you know, we've got the the internet is both a wonderful and a horrible place because yes there are all kinds of places out there to get a sort of a, a somewhat grasp on retirement planning and most of them i've found to have bad information no yeah who knew bad information online never right <sighs> never something that would happen so being able to understand what it truly means because there are some places that'll go well how much is your health worth house worth well, let's just sell that. Well, if I sell my house, I got to live somewhere. Yeah. I can't just bank that as cash that I've got available. I've got to live someplace. So we want to sit down and, and really go through what a real plan would look like on there. Um, about two-thirds, again, 67% of retirees said they wish they better understood retirement savings when they were working. Mm-hmm. Again, if you've got that corporate plan, it's not like you've got somebody there all the time that you can chat with and talk to about, hey, what about this? What about that? What about the other? It's just, oh, how much you want to put away? All right, cool. Check the box. We'll come back next year and see if you want to change that. Not a lot of guidance yeah. on a lot of the corporate side of things. So again, 67%, two-thirds said they wish they better understood retirement savings when they were working. Here's an interesting one. This takes it back to 2020 for us here. But about 72% of people say they reevaluated their retirement plans since the start of the pandemic. Really? Now, they don't tell us which direction. Some of it was we reevaluated and we're not retiring yet. Some of it is we reevaluated and I'm done now. Yeah. So there's a lot of that in there, but... What that basically says is, hey, in the last three years, almost three-quarters of the folks who have thought about retiring have reevaluated that plan, which means it's a plan. It can change. You, yeah. can make, you can make a new decision. And if you don't like that decision, guess what? Make another one. Yeah. Well, and then let me ask you this, back on that. Right. Not, not saying that I might be one of those with the corporate plan and the check the box, here's your age, blah, blah, blah. We've talked a little bit about this before, mm-hmm. but is there anything to do with maybe somebody else or a real person outside of an app, an AI chatbot, or waiting on hold forever to try to maximize that account that's set up by your employer? Because I'm sure I'm not the only one that has that but would want to try and maximize as much as possible. Exactly. That's uh, that's one of the many things that I know that I do as an advisor. I know there are other advisors out there that do the same is when we're putting together that big retirement plan concept, that big financial plan, we will actually talk. Okay, how much are you putting into your corporate plan? 
how is that actually invested? Are you in a one of the lifetime funds or the target date funds, they may be called, or have you actually sort of built a portfolio out of those 10 to 12 options that are inside there? Well, let's take a look at your overall risk tolerance, your overall set of portfolio numbers, and make sure that you are in the right risk level for what you're trying to do. Otherwise, you could look at that and say, you know what? I need to be invested in an aggressive sort of way that I'm trying to generate 10, 12 plus percent in any given year, but I'm in this target date that's actually only a 60-40 portfolio, and it only averages about 6% per year. Okay. So it's really sitting down with someone, going over what do I have, what are my risk levels, and what are my options inside. And sometimes in those corporate plans, you don't have the options that would lend it to being a little bit higher risk. So you can take on as much risk as you can in there, and maybe you need to be a little bit more risk on with some of those outside investments. Or when we take a look at that big picture, maybe you have some really good risk on options inside your 401k, and we can be a little bit more risk off inside of the other individual plans. So we can play both sides of that. You don't just necessarily have to, you know, hope that the right person is taking care of your plan and they care about you or that the guy on the other end or the lady on the other end at that call center is able to help with the right licensing and the right training. Because nine times out of 10, when you've got to call the call center, the only thing they can ask is, do you want to put in more? Do you want to put in less? Where do you want it to go? And they can't actually offer the advice of you should put it in fund A, B, C, or D. They can't actually do that. So that's where sitting down with that individual will help um, in that sort of piece. Some of the things that there are folks uh, in the retirement say that they are planning to do because there's some risk involved in retiring, Mm -hmm. right? Because we're going to go from a, you know, Oftentimes, an income that can fluctuate, even if it's just a cost of living increase, to something that's pretty fixed. Uh, Number one, number one thing we can do is downsize our current spending. About 34% of folks say, hey, when I get to retirement, I can downsize what I'm spending money on. One of those things that I oftentimes will encourage folks to do is let's have the house paid off before you get to retirement age because that's going to downsize. 30 to 34% of your expenses right there, right? If you, if you could knock out that mortgage, you walk into your retirement years without a house payment. That means you can also walk into those retirement years often with 70 to 75% of your previous income and still be just fine. Mm -hmm. We've wiped out that giant expense. Also any other debt, that you might be carrying as a consumer, whether that's credit card debt, whether that's you've got car payments. Uh, Not to say this happened in uh, my family, but maybe there's a boat payment. Uh, Maybe you're still paying off the the nice big shed that was built. Those might be some things that I walked my parents through before they retired uh, in that process to be able to say, okay, let's eliminate all of these quote-unquote extra expenses that we've actually got the money sitting over here available to pay off. Let's not just have a payment just because that's been the norm for 40 years. Yeah. Let's get rid of those payments. Now, what does it cost to live? Well, we've got to look at things like what's the cost of my utilities? What is it going to cost me for insurance on the house? What does it cost me for my Medicare, maybe my Medicare supplement? 
What does it cost me uh, for my property taxes? What does it cost uh, to put fuel in the vehicles? What does it cost for food? And again, depending on where you live, you could actually greatly reduce the cost of living Mm -hmm. just by getting rid of the debt. Yeah. Big, big piece. Uh, There are also folks who say, you know, about 23% said they're going to put money in a financial product that would protect their savings against a market drop. And that's not a bad thing, right? That's, that's, That's a good thing to help reduce some of those retirement risks. But we also have to understand what those tools are for, right? And what the purpose of those are and whether or not we can actually use them to generate the income we need at that point as well. And then... A lot of folks, about uh, one in five, 21% say their goal is to develop that plan to address the rising costs of living in those retirement years. Then we get to, I'll call it the emotional side of this, Andrew. Okay. Right? The folks who say, you know what? I'm doing okay financially. This actually comes from the Federal Reserve. So the Fed has done this study. If... A retiree has no what they call private income, which means there's no pension, there's no 401k, you don't own a house that you're renting out. All you have is Social Security. About 53% of folks say they're okay financially, a little over half. If you have folks who have Social Security and a pension, that number jumps up to 78%. If you have folks who have Social Security and, as the Fed calls it, interest or dividends or rent, that jumps up to 87%. And if you have the folks who have Social Security, a pension, and some sort of other retirement asset, that jumps up to 96% that are, quote-unquote, okay financially. Okay. So that's the, that's the, uh, the, the government speak for, can you make your bill payments? Can you do the things you want to do? Yeah. And I think it kind of makes some sense here. The more income streams you have, the more comfortable you're going to be. Exactly. It, it, it's kind of like all of that adds up somehow yeah. along the way. So that's that, those are part of those big helps, right? Pay off those debts, right? Including that mortgage. You got that paid off house. Yes, account for your taxes, account for the insurance, but you're freeing up 30 to 35% of that budget every month. Mm-hmm. Have those multiple streams of income, Social Security, retirement assets, maybe it's a pension or a real estate or investment, or maybe you've got a business that you've built over the years. Rather than thinking, when I leave, I'm just going to close up shop, you might have the opportunity to sell that, right? There might be somebody willing to come in and take over your business that will pay you for that. It's an Mm -hmm. asset you've built over time. We might as well think about being able to use it. And whether that means you're the owner and you're no longer in the day-to-day operations, or it just means you've straight up sold that business. I've got a number of clients that that do that. The last piece here, very quickly, is we've got to think about our long-term care and our medical expenses. Yeah. Uh, From age about 65 through the end of life. Now, some folks take that to age 80 because that's the average. I actually look at that in the... 85 to 90 category, and sometimes if you have longevity in the family, I'll take it out to 95. It's expected that you'll spend in that time frame over $300,000 on medical expenses. So we've got to have a plan for that. Because even if you go 30 years, that's still a pretty good chunk 
That's still $10,000 a year for 30 years on that. And about 70% of adults that are 65 and older at some point are going to require a stay in long-term care. Long-term care facility is not low cost, and it's also not a short stay, like 18 months. Uh, The average length is about 3.2 years, three years and two months, and about 20% will require care for five years or longer. Oftentimes, that is the Alzheimer's dementia type of care that we're talking about. Sometimes that'll even go out, you know, 10, 12, 15 years uh, for somebody with that. And the cost of that care, Andrew, is very localized, Mm -hmm. very localized. Uh, Genworth does what they call a cost of care survey, and you can find it online. You just throw into the Google machine, Genworth cost of care. It'll take you right there. You can get it down to as, as finite as a zip code. You can get as large as Colorado. Okay. I broke these down by municipality, Colorado Springs, for example. Okay. In 2003, in-home care in Colorado Springs was about $6,000 a month. Same sort of a cost with a home health aid. But if you're talking in a skilled nursing facility, you're talking somewhere between nine and $10,000 per month of cost. Yeah. And if you figure that, what is my cost of medical care? If I'm spending 10000 a month and my average stay is 30 months, there's my $300,000 of medical care. Seattle. Seattle, that skilled nursing facility, so not the assisted living, but the skilled nursing, the cost of a private room between ten and 12000 per month. In the Phoenix area, skilled nursing, somewhere between seven and 8000 per month. The villages, because everybody wants to go live in the villages in Florida, between eight and 9000 per month. Okay. Now, Andrew, I know you live there for a bit. Have a child there. Anchorage is expensive, Andrew. No. The cost of skilled nursing facility in Anchorage, Alaska, per month, $25,000. Wow. I don't think I want to go to skilled nursing in Anchorage. I may choose a little sunnier state at that point if I've got to go. Well, I mean, there is a lot of sun there a lot of the year. But true. But you know what I just heard? What's that? Let's diversify that entire that retirement income. Let's set up a skilled nursing facility in Anchorage. Oh, we could do that. You mentioned there's a lot of times where you can be the owner, have other people run it. Exactly. There are opportunities. Business opportunities abound. I was about to say, I just heard some entrepreneurial spirit. <laughs> uh, Take yes, place having, up there. Having, having all those different income streams. Kind of comes in handy yeah. out there. So, again, thinking about that, what's my what's my uh, medical expense going to be? Whether that's my Medicare plan, whether that's my Medicare supplemental plan, whether that's adding the long-term care into it, or are these things I'm going to try to pay out of pocket, that now becomes, more often than not, in retirement, your biggest expense. Yeah. And those Medicare supplements are something to bake into because it's not like all of a sudden you turn – what, 62, you get free health care and you're good to go. Exactly. Exactly. Those are all things that we've got to sit down, take a look at, and decide how am I going to get this set up in such a way that uh, I'm as much of a burden to my children as I want to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe that's the best way to put it. I'll be as much of a burden as I want to be 
maybe maybe at that point in time in my life it becomes okay who's driving dad to the ballpark that that'll work right who's who's sitting in the seats with dad to make sure he can get up and down the stairs who's having a burden dad by going to the bad games with him right right who's who's actually going to go watch when the rockies play oakland somebody's got to go with me somebody's got to Mm -hmm. just saying Well, folks, that's all the time we have on this episode of Money Matters. If you've got some questions about your retirement world, if if you want to know, hey, am I on track? Are there things I need to be doing differently? Or can I just stay the course? Feel free to give me a call, 719-500-8700. Always happy to sit down. Give it that uh, that once over. It is a totally complimentary sit down. There's not a cost. Uh, Andrew, I can't tell you how many people in the last six months have said, hey, what's this cost? And when I've said uh, exactly nothing, they went, really? Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. I'm really sure. doesn't cost anything to sit down, give you kind of that uh, once over to say it looks like we're on track or, you know, if we need to build a different plan, that's when, you know, there, there are costs involved. But to sit down and go over Make sure things are headed in the right direction. 100% complimentary. No uh, no worries in there. So if you've got that question, folks, give me a call. 719-500-8700. We'll sit down and take a look at everything. Folks, that's all the time we've got for this week on Money Matters. But we will be back once again next week, continuing to talk about your money because your money matters. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.